first. Checking the sound. It's checking, checking the sound. It's time. It's time to check the sound. There's a farm in Lincolnshire where Mrs. Buckley lives. Peas <laughs> This is a load of shit and you know it. <laughs> into editing something in now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, <laughs> happening. it's happening. It's I'm okay. making you do it. Uh, this week, we are not talking about The Love Witch. I'm no. sorry. I know you're disappointed. Um, and I'm a liar. I'm a huge liar. Well, we're all liars. It's fine. Uh, I mean, I, I think we've, we've been feeling, at least I've been feeling under the weather for yeah. the past couple yeah. weeks. I've, in the undisclosed location we live in, allergy season is happening. Yeah, allergy season has hit like the fist of an angry tree guy. Yeah. Okay. Here's the thing, and a lot of you Tree are probably... Treebeard's fucking. <laughs> some of you, especially that butt robot that listens to us in, in Japan, um, are like, what? Allergy season? That's nothing. People have legitimately told me that they did not have allergies until they came to this fucking area. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. there are just, there are that many trees did, having unprotected sex. Did the eye patch <laughs> come everywhere. out this week, Alex? I actually had to buy a new eye patch. Oh my God. <laughs> For the uninitiated, Alex has an eye patch that comes out every allergy season because his eyes get so bad. Yeah. It's usually one. It's a good one. thing that this is a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually one eye that gets worse than the other. I don't yeah. know why. It's usually my left eye. That's, that's why I was asking, like, whether you would be coming tonight or not because i was like i'm not sure if alex is alive well more dating this it just rained yesterday and yeah. today so yeah. i can finally breathe again Yay. Yay. yeah i had to day like four days off work but i can breathe again hooray that's good, yeah. that's good. so allergy Sorry. season to to misquote wu-tang clan allergy season ain't nothing to fuck with so oh my god <laughs> I am uh, so white. <laughs> all right, let's let's move it on. So this week on the podcast, we all have like a different anime that we want to yeah, talk about, we, and we, a couple of animes I, that we're going to talk about. So I, welcome to this trip down memory lane. No, we've been sort of we've been talking a lot about anime recently. Yeah, I, like, it's true. I, I I wasn't like I fell out of anime super hard when I it, was in college. I think that's kind of what happens. It's like it's that thing that everybody's into in high school because it's like you know it's. It's what you do. It's just niche enough. And then the people who like stay involved in it are like forever or like those people. You don't those be, people that listen to our podcast. You yeah. don't want to okay, be associated just know our, with those know, know our audience, Nick. Right. You know who yeah. you are. You know what I'm talking about. And you're fucking listening to and this What podcast. are you talking about, Nick? <laughs> uh, you know, those people. Those those people. Um. So yeah, we'll, we'll probably get into this a little bit later on. But it, yeah, you kind of get the sense that like... There's people who never get out of anime, like, have some 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 issues. And I was reading an and article. This is different than people. Let's let's hold the phone real quick. Um, let's clarify exactly. Yeah. What you're well, talking. I was about to, but then oh, the people interrupted sorry. me. Because I specifically what I was going into was an article that I was reading earlier this week about uh, the link between people who are like overly obsessed, like weeaboo. And white supremacy. So this is to make a dis- to make a distinction between people who enjoy anime, yeah, um, throughout their adult lives, just kind of like watch it, appreciate it. Maybe they go to a convention, 
Maybe they work for conventions, not because they're like weeboo into yeah. anime, yeah. but rather like oh. this is my Hayao community. Miyazaki has a new movie coming out. Yeah. Let's go see it. You know. Or He's out of retirement again. <laughs> like again. So, so it's making a distinction between like that and what we're about to talk about. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to get. I don't. I don't know how deep we want to get into it. Oh no, let's go into this rabbit hole. That's okay. why we have this podcast. Okay, sure. Like. Um, so basically, essentially, and I don't have the article out in front of me, and I, uh, my phone's dying, or else I'd pull it out and read it now. But essentially, what it what was. Is to- it? I. It was just about like white supremacy in Japan. Um, I'm sure you will find, if not the same article, I'm sure there are others on this topic. Um, but essentially, it's kind of talking about how like everyone it seems who's involved in like the alt-right has some sort of anime or Japan fixation. Um, Including like, I I was trying to remember, I think they were saying like Steve Bannon is like, like really obsessed with Japan or something like that. It's somebody, uh, or maybe it was um, Richard Spencer. No, it was Richard Spencer. Spencer sounds more the type. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think the Crypt Keeper that is Steve <laughs> Bannon. No, Steve Bannon is is too... The Crypt Keeper is too svelte to be Steve Bannon. <laughs> uh, Steve, he, Steve Bannon looks more like uh, Baron Vladimir Harkonnen. <laughs> because he has to wear, like, repulsor, like, belts to float around. Uh. Um, but, but basically, it's... I'm trying to remember what some of the arguments were, but like things like, oh, in like there's the perception that in Japan, what the, f- no, I think I found it. I'm sorry. Keep no, that up. was not the article that I read, but but like that's I'm sure that one's interesting too. Um, no, maybe it was that one. Just didn't have that picture. Okay. Um, uh, the article that we're looking at is how white nationalism courts internet nerd culture. It wasn't specifically that one because it was specifically talking about anime bullshit. Yeah. Um, but it was like the the perception that like Japanese women are all subservient, and so like you you get involved in like the, um like the men's rights kind of gamer gate sort of stuff. And that's yeah. sort of the gateway into white nationalism. There's, I mean, I haven't read the article, but I can also see people making the argument about a homogenous state. And all yeah. That there's a lot of yeah. like, there's a lot of talk about Japan being an ethno state. Um, Found it. Which is, yes, that's the one. Yeah. That's okay, the one. So the article that we are badly summarizing is. I'm badly summarizing. <laughs> no one else has read it. <laughs> White Supremacist in Japan, a love story by Chris McKenzie. Um, available on the, Jap- the Japan Times. The, Jap- the Japan Times. <laughs> Shut up. Stop talking. <laughs> uh. Uh, here, let me, I'll, I'll just skim through it because I've read it already. Um, so. Maybe you should have assigned this for us to read before we yeah. record Yeah. Well, I was just thinking about it now. We're but not good at podcasting. No, we're not. We're <laughs> this is your weekly it. reminder it's, it's that there are other You get this for podcasts. free every other week. You listen to it and you enjoy it. <laughs> um, so it's well established. The quoting from the article now. It's been well established in both articles and lawsuits that, that Japan's online bullying is rife um, with people libeled and doxxed and many a personal and professional life destroyed, but it's not limited to Japanese language forums. Anyone critical of Japan gets it and in English too. Um, for example, my blog recently critiqued a Japan times article on the internationalization of Japan's youth. As usual, somebody trolled 
Why is this a good thing? Japan needs to stay Japanese. Keep your leftist, neo-Marxist ideology out of Japan. Japan does not want to go down the same leftist road as Canada, UK, Europe, etc. Japan must remain an ethno state. Keep the pause, which, if you don't know, is slang for po HIV positive, out. Um, we see how that it's destroying the West. Multiculturalism and diversity are a cancer, and I hope to never see it in Japan. Um, end quote. End quote. Because there is no one that is not of Japanese culture currently living in Japan. Well, certainly not a well-funded uh, program that <laughs> has been going on for a number of years wherein uh, young adults with bachelor's degrees from the West go to Japan to teach English for two years. Man, what is that? <laughs> what is that? What is that? Program. Um, uh, but, oh, Jet. But yeah. Going jet. on with that, yeah, it is Richard Spencer, uh, the, the the person who coined the term alt right, talking about uh, identitarianism. You know, you identify, which means in quotes, you identify with your race, with your people, with your culture, um, and then saying everyone in Japan is an identitarian. These bitches don't like they. They could. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I'm pretty sure that these white supremacist bitches, if they looked at, like, a Korean person, a Japanese person, and a Vietnamese person, would not actually be able to tell them apart. Uh, William Daniel just, Johnson. Just fucking saying. Uh, who's the chairman of... Uh, I'm just going to quote from the article. William Daniel Johnson, chairman of the white nationalist American Freedom Party, wrote a book and proposed constitutional amendment advocating the deportation of all non-whites from America. Majoring in Japanese in college... He is fluent in the language after his Mormon mission in uh, Tohaku and prospers under what The Guardian calls an uncanny connection between Japan and white nationalism in America. Uh, continuing the quote from the article, even mass murderers, murderer Anders Breing Breivik, the neo-Nazi who killed 69 people at a Labor, Labor Party Island youth retreat in 2011, is an ardent Japanophile. Um, this is something that happened in Norway a few years back, if mm -hmm. you're not familiar with the name. Uh, continuing the quote in his manifesto, he specifically praised Japan as a model country for avoiding multiculturalism. Uh, oh, no, and, and Steve, Bannon is, Steve Bannon is another one, too. Um, quoting from the article again, Steve Bannon, the engineer of Donald Trump's successful presidential election strategy, is another Japan fan. He was here last December, here being Japan, um, as the Japanese conservative political action at the Japanese conservative political action conference, proclaiming Prime Minister Shinzo Abe the pioneer of Trumpism or Trump before Trump. So basically, when I say that those people, that's what I'm talking about is like the people who just kind of get super into it and then like. Next thing you know, you're seeing Naruto's face next to all these, like, terrible things about black people. Yeah, yeah, if you have an anime profile picture. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's that's the internet joke right there. Yeah. yeah. It's, and, and... And they're ruining anime for the rest of us. And so I, and without, like, being able to put it into so many words, to kind of bring it back to, to the topic of today's podcast, so insofar as our podcast has a topic, um... That's I kind of fell out of of watching anime in the middle of college. I wasn't like I was interested in it, but I kind of stopped caring about the scene so much and stopped like following all the new shows. And now I've broken the 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 seal on that seventh wall scroll 
you know, pretty hard. And I'm like way, way in on a few series. And so I get, I think it's probably important. Maybe we talk about some of those series and I want to talk about for sure, at least how one of them is kind of the opposite of what I think appeals to a lot of like white nationalist men's rights advocates, sort of gamer gate culture um, Elise is hugging herself. I'm getting excited because I feel like I know what he's going to do. Yeah, I think you know what I'm going to talk about too because it's the one we've been watching together. Um, so yeah, like I've mentioned the last few times, we've, we've, I've been watching some new series. I've been watch- I watched the second episode of Megalobox, which continues to be pretty great. Um, speaking of, you were talking about lo-fi hip-hop before we started uh, recording, Alex. <laughs> this show has some of the best, like, lo-fi hip-hop music. Oh, it's cool. It's fucking great. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of, it, it's the sport, again, as I, I talked about last week, uh, or last episode, it's a sports anime where, you know, it focuses on the sport a lot, but, like, the world that they're creating is also really fascinating and is kind of a critique of like late capitalism and like the 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 division among classes and from what i understand they start like in the next episode because the the i'm only watching the free episodes because screw paying for crunchyroll i'll hey. just wait a week I, yeah. I pay for, well, that's, that's fine I, I mean i don't watch enough of it to really make it worth my while i'll yeah. just i just like i'll wait the week and I'll watch it next week. I'll just be a week behind on every episode. But from the the episode that apparently just came out on premium on Crunchyroll, they do like they start putting in tropes like, oh, here's the thing that'll help you win the fight, and then they go somewhere completely unexpected with it. So I'm looking forward to seeing yeah. where this series goes. Which speaking of, of Crunchyroll and white supremacy. Oh my god, yeah. Because there's a lot of the ads that are on, on Crunchyroll. Crunchy- well, they were do, during the election. During the election, it was a lot of like political like hard right leaning political ads especially pro nra mm. ads and different things like it's, that and it's you know so i mean it's one obviously of the reasons. it's it's and all of this is to say this isn't you know some people making stray observations based on limited data like clearly there has been some research and things done on this because they're using advertisements to target this group and on a platform like country country roll that all it does is anime so yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's just these kind of, like, incidental things as these sort of stray observations all kind of come together and you realize that, no, it's just a whole web to ensnare us yeah. in late capitalism uh, and fucking white supremacy. Anyway. But, yeah, that was one of the reasons why I kind of fell out of watching JoJo last year. Now I'm kind of coming back into that. I, I still need to catch up on on it yeah. um but yeah there was remember like one... no ads if you pay six dollars i know i know. <laughs> yeah, right. I already pay for enough streaming services oh. i will <laughs> i will just take Crunchyroll for free thank you very much i'll deal with the ads oh, okay um but yeah that was there was one day i remember i was watching jojo and i got three of the same nra anti-hillary clinton ads in a row <laughs> It was the same one, same commercial break, same motherfucker coming in there and saying like, Hillary Clinton murdered people in Benghazi. She can't take my guns. Pew, pew, pew. And then it would be like the same 30 second roll again. By the end of the third one, I was, I just couldn't, I couldn't deal with it anymore. And that was like every ad break. (laughs) When that's when the Crunchyroll app was even working. Yeah. It's much better on PlayStation 4 than PlayStation 3. Um... 
So yeah, I've been watching that. Uh, I've been watching. Uh, what was the other one that I'm watching? Oh yeah, are you still watching Legend of the Galactic Heroes? I am. Yeah. And so I'm, you're an episode ahead. of I'm me. I'm an episode ahead of you. So yeah. I, I just saw the one where they're kind of explaining the um, the backstory, the backstory of it, of, and like the backstory of the 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 two uh, imperial the, the two imperial guys. Man, I so okay. I need to. I really need to look into the original series mm-hmm. because the whole reason I started watching it is that Wooly kept talking about the original on the um, on the best friend casts, and he says that like one of the big central questions of it is like what's better, a benevolent autocracy or a corrupt democracy, and like watching it, watching this version, I'm wondering how different it is because it's like no, that autocracy is super corrupt. <laughs> like, that's the whole motivating factor. This isn't really much of a spoiler, because again, it's like three episodes into the season. Mm-hmm. But you find out that the whole motivating factor, like the whole motivation of the main character on the Imperial side is fucking Kaiser stole my sister, so now I'm going to be Kaiser. <laughs> I'm just going to be the biggest dick admiral there is and just take over the Empire. Yeah, yeah, it's it's going that way. Yeah, I, well, I mean, that was like that whole episode. Yeah, he, it's, he, it's his backstory. That's his backstory because mm-hmm. he like there like he recruits his friend to go into the military yeah. with him, and then like on their graduation day, like he is the head person in his graduating class, mm-hmm. and his lackey is number two. And then they're like off celebrating and they go to salute the, the statue of the first emperor. And there's a really great image of like the cameras and the statues. Yeah. Eyes focusing yeah. On them. Like, you better still rent. You better yeah. salute. And then the, the, the main, uh, what's his name? It's, um, it's not, it's Siegfried is the other one. It's, um, Ryan, Reinhold. Yeah. Something like something that. like that. Ryan something. Um, uh, and he's just kind of like, Man, there was nothing special about that first emperor guy. He just got everyone to vote for him. Like, yeah. why can't I be that guy? <laughs> <laughs> like, the the whole reason the current emperor is in charge is his ancestor did all this great stuff hundreds of years ago. Why can't I be that guy? And then it's just like, well, shit, yeah, why can't you be that guy? <laughs> um, I'd be interested if... Do we learn more about... So- um, the other character? Yeah, so in the fourth episode, and I, I want to talk about it. I know you haven't seen it, but I just want to talk okay, about yeah, it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it goes, it does the same thing, but for the other character, it goes Yeah, I kind of backstory. figured that's the way the series seems like it's going. Is yeah. Like you get one event from the Imperial character mm-hmm. side and then another event from the, the Federal character side. You could side. not have a more different <clears throat> personality behind this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to remember what his name is. It's, uh, it's like, it's, it's something it's very way. Chinese. Yeah, Something like Which that. Which is, like, it's surprising that, like, a, a Japanese anime based off of a Japanese, you know, like, the main, like, hero protagonist character is from, like, is ethnically Chinese. Yeah. Yang, Yang Wenli. There we go. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, you see what it's like in the Alliance of Free Planets, and it's, like, like how everything is all uh, Prussian and, and yeah, like, yeah. It's just like modern Earth. Yeah. It's just like the square rectangular buildings as cars and vans and stuff like that. It's just like modern Earth, but they have spaceports. But that's more lame. I see. I, I'm sorry to interrupt. I fucking love one of the things that I enjoy about it is I love it when we go up into the the future space and it's just like let's just do the 19th century again, <laughs> but with spaceships. Yeah. That's cool because the 19th century, like 19th century costuming and things like that, is just awesome. The 20th century is boring. Oh sure, 19th century <laughs> costume is great if you're rich. If you're rich, yeah, yeah. no, but like but, I mean, no, the, no, no, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, so it's it's neat. It's why I like one of the reasons yeah. I like Dune. This this character, like I said, so so Reinhold is all you know ambitious. He's going to take over the empire. He's going to do it. This guy, <laughs> I love this guy. 
he went to college. Be, he went to the military to pay for his education. Yeah. To be a historian. Yeah. He loves history. I kind of get the sense that he was like an academic. Yeah. He seems like very pacifistic for yeah. someone who's but, in the military. But like every other study, he just kind of squeaked by in. Yeah. It's like a Reinhold was head of his class. This guy was like at the end of his class, but is strategic genius yeah. and was able to defeat the head of his class in a military simulation. Uh, and, you know, kind of go through that. And it's like, he, he, Reinhardt, not Reinhold, uh, Reinhardt. Reinhardt. Yeah. yeah. He rises to prominence, not through any feats of battle, but like they call him the, the hero of El, El Fasil or whatever it is. Yeah. In, yeah. in like the, the first episode or second episode that his heroism was an act of logistics. Yeah. I won't go into the great details about it so that when you watch it, but it's not like he won the battle. He was the logistics master that saved people, and that gained him his reputation. Um, but, like, he, he, people are talk, telling him, like, he's got friends or, or, you know, associates that are kind of saying, you know, you could probably make Admiral in, in a few years. You know, you should probably, you know, have this nice house, have a family, you know, start, raise, start going up through the ranks. It's like, eh. eh. <laughs> Uh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he's super like not into military stuff. He just like it's his job. Yeah. It's like the only way he could study history would be to go to the military and study military history. Yeah. But it's like you know, it's it's just you know as a history buff myself. Yeah. It's just you know kind of cool to see that. Um, and I really do like that character yeah. of the unambitious, but still, I like both of the characters and that's the thing. Like, yeah. cause, cause normally like a character like Reinhardt in like anything else, it'd be really easy to make him the villain. Mm -hmm. Like he's basically just char from Gu the original Gundam series mm -hmm. yeah. more or less. Um, but like you Especially, like, you get into his backstory, it's like, no, you can kind of see why he's like this. Yeah. Like, he's not really a bad person, per se. He has kind of shitty motivate. Like, he's got good motivations, but his goals are shitty. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> like you can understand it. But, yeah. You know. And, like, he's he's treats his underling with respect. Like, he, he's, he's more meritocratic than most of the people in his society, I yeah. suppose. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, which is pretty neat, but yeah, it, like the society is really the problem. And I feel like if that's part of a lot of what it is, is like, if he were born in a different kind of society, he would be a very different person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it's really interesting, but like lots of cool space politics. Yeah. And, like pew pew lasers. I like it. <laughs> um, I love things with space politics. It's like, again, fucking Dune. Like, great. Like, Start talking about like like nobility in like spaceships and like crazy ostentatious like dress uniforms and I am all over that. I I just find it weird that the thing that the crisis that caused everyone to vote for an autocratic emperor it wasn't a war it wasn't like a major disaster. It was a recession. Was that really? Because I didn't pick that up in the first. It was like a like the economy stopped do they growing. Talk, do they talk about that in the fourth episode? They talk about that in like the third episode. Oh, really? Because it was just like I, all, it's in the beginning. What I remember seeing was that it was like, oh yeah, this we had this huge thing, and then this guy came in on a wave election, and mm -hmm. then the parliament also made him prime minister. Yeah, and so he's just like, hey, I guess I'm emperor now. Like it basically was just like how. Uh, how Germany went from being a confederation to an empire. Like, yeah. It was almost exactly the same. It's like Except Germany had to win like the Franco-Prussian yeah, War. This, These was, guys had no war they or had anything. No war. Yeah, they, had, yeah, they had like 
rebellions after he declared himself emperor. I thought it was okay. I thought it was after he died that the rebellions. Started. Yeah, after he died. Because like he was a total like awesome guy who kind of just did this under like his own kind of like cult of personality. But then it's like, I mean, again, but they kind were still, of mirroring the, the German yeah, Empire. Yeah. Like, the person who followed up after him didn't really know what he was doing, is mm. what it seems like. Yeah. But then instead of just being, since there was no real war to fight, since there were no other major superpowers, a la World War One, it was just kind of, well, we I guess we're stuck with this shitty family in charge for the next few hundred years. Except for the people that fled. And Which, formed, again, yeah. wasn't that like 150 years later? I'm trying to follow the timeline. No, so like, so people fled like... Almost like after he died to yeah. set up the Free Planets Alliance, they've been fighting, fighting for 150 for years. years. Yeah. That's right. That's this right. war is the forever war, uh, but it's um, but it's like no the the crisis that led what's his name Rudolph yeah, yeah. Rudolph was the Rudolph first the first you know Rudolph the red nosed emperor it wasn't anything major from the the like maybe it'll go into greater detail but like. Yeah. People started losing their jobs. The economy wasn't growing. Capitalism ran out of planets to exploit. Something happened. Yeah. Uh, the externalities ended up being too great for the people on the one planet. But, but you know, whatever it was, it wasn't a it wasn't major a thing. Yeah. And it was a recession that led to completely overthrowing a democratic society. Yeah. Um, Man, that yeah, I bet never happens. happens. Never ever. Um, nope. I mean, that's also if you're, that's also kind of how, like, the the Roman Republic became an empire, was like it had a lot to do. But with, there were civil wars. Involved. There were civil wars, but I mean, there was civil wars that kind of came about as a result of I should be the guy in charge, mm. no me. Yeah. But it was basically inevitable, I think, that at some point that would come. So because essentially that's that is what's happening is that people were starving and they were just like, let's just find someone to be in charge. Let's just find a dude to, to do it based on, again, cult of personality yeah. sort of a thing. And then like that works for like the first generation, maybe two. And then eventually the personalities start getting shittier and shittier. But like any auto stuck with them, but like with an autocratic reactionary form of government like that, you need some kind of, some like like if you want to make one person or one group of people you know better under that form of a government yeah there has to be some kind of external enemy or external force yeah yeah or yeah, something yeah. to focus to everyone's to anger struggle against. against yeah well, yeah that, i suppose i know this i'm sure this is super hilarious for the people listening <laughs> jokes um comedy we're a comedy podcast aren't we no Maybe? we're an entertainment podcast oh, okay there we go Ugh. Just general entertainment. Just, we are general, neither. Just, we'll, we we'll, are nothing. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll we'll tap dance for you all. All right. Yeah. Um, cha <laughs> um, But yeah. So, they can't tell that we're not because we're on a podcast. Um. That's true. I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm interested in seeing where the series goes. But yeah. So let's, let's not talk about the space politics. But but if you're if any of what we're talking about sounds even remotely interesting to you, like if you're interested. In like in history, science fiction, military fiction, political thrillers, like it kind of hits all those boxes yep. pretty satisfyingly. Like there's there's nothing like there's no big hook about it. Like it doesn't have like a big. It's yeah, not, like it's not like high concept. Yeah, it's I, very very simple. I got that. Like it's there's nothing that you would point to. It's like this differs it from every other thing. But it's like it hits all of the things. Where, it did. It does it very well. It's exactly what I was looking for without knowing where to start. Yes, and that's what I was you know happy about. Yeah. Um. 
so that's been good. Mm-hmm. Um, Elise and I have also started watching um, Aretsuko on Netflix. Yes. Uh, have you heard about this one, Alex? Uh, no, not off the top of my okay. head. Okay. So this is, it's, it's Sanrio, uh, the people who make Hello Kitty. So, okay. We, okay. So a while back, um, Sanrio decided to go kind of off-brand and create a new character that, and her name was Retz, Retsuko. Retsuko. Uh, she's a happy little fox who works she's, in an no, office. No, no, no. She's a red panda. Excuse me. Her, sorry. Her apologize. co-worker is a fox. Her co-worker is a fox. She is a happy little red panda working in an office for the man. And she kind of has some rage issues. So, um... But it's Japan, so you can't, like, openly express your rage, especially about your job and your station in life. So instead, she goes to the karaoke bar and does, like, death metal karaoke about how much she hates her, her chauvinistic pig boss, who is a Who's literal, literal pig. pig, Um, and her coworkers and just everyone. And just every, everyone and everything about being a, you know, fair, a young, struggling, working-class person. Slave. Yeah, wage yeah. slave in Japan. Um, it's pretty fucking great the first season is dubbed on netflix right now uh, there's only about nine episodes and each one is like 15 minutes so we have a few minutes to spare we've been watching them yeah nice but it's it is really really strong (laughs) (laughs) um because it is like it's just very it is very sanrio like cutesy hello kitty animation and then, like, she'll get super mad about something, and either she'll go do karaoke. She carries around a little microphone with her, like, in her purse. So she'll either go to the karaoke bar after work by herself, or she'll lock herself in the bathroom at work when things get really <laughs> bad and just scream into her microphone. Oh, and the, the singing, the music is all in English. Like, I think that even is for the dub stuff because there are Japanese subtitles. Okay. Um,. And it's all things like um, the one that we were just watching had her shopping, and the 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 sh- the, the clerk like the the store who was an alpaca the, the, yeah the, the 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 alpaca who worked in the store was like hovering right behind her like trying to pressure her to buy things nah. and like so she went it what was the oh god what was it um what did she say now because it was like she said one of the things like. No pressure, no pressure, take your time. And it was like, let me take my time. <laughs> so I think my favorite was like, shitty boss. Yeah. Shitty boss. And she's just like screaming into her microphone. And it's like, man, I have been there. Yeah. <laughs> I know what this feels it's like. Super relatable. And again, like kind of going back to the the, the overall thesis to what we started off talking about, it, it is very anti that kind of like thinking about things because it's like no not everyone has like a place people kind of get dumped on like people who are hard workers get like pick up slack for the for the lazier people on top who don't want to do their jobs and there's this like i don't know the white supremacists really like to like portray this myth of uh or perpetuate this myth of like like the Japanese woman being so happy to be subservient and it's like that's one of the things she kind of comes back to is like oh my god I hate this I hate that my boss like expects these things and like I can't really talk to HR about it because then they'll get a slap on the wrist and then things will be worse for me and so and this is you know what I mean it's not to make like gross generalizations about a country or a culture and I 
I kind of want to say, like, we're not trying to do that right now, but rather right. recognizing that, like, every country and culture on the planet has to deal with things like, you know, misogyny and things like racism. And so to kind of say, like, oh, this glorious, like, we're going to put Japan in this box and say it's all this one thing. And it's like, it's not. It isn't. You know? yeah. It isn't. But it, I think the thing that like white supremacists and again like men's and that's rights what they want to do is they want to put it in this like very clean cut stereotype like, you know because and 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 oh it's problems but, with race or really just you know uh there i think the the article talks about it as like white supremacists wanting to pass off like issues of racism in japan as like quirky quirky cultural foibles yeah. and it's like yeah and not to put a finer point on it but like japan does kind of i mean it, I, I wouldn't say any more than any other industrialized nation on earth yeah. but it certainly is more it is very pronounced mm -hmm. it, like in terms like they're, they're the problems that that country has with racism xenophobia and sexism yeah are, are they're more overt yeah i would perhaps say they're they're more open about yeah. versus that kind like of, yeah. you know a white manager in America calling the cops on two black guys just waiting for their friend for coffee. Or, or the the women yeah. who were uh, playing golf too slow who had the cops called on them. Did you yeah. guys hear about that one? I didn't hear about that one. Yeah, no. there, were, there were two women um, who... like were, were members of this golf club. Golf club. Uh, okay, so they're black. They're members of this golf club. And they were, you know, they were there. They were enjoying their golf game. And they got the cops called on them. And, like, the reason that the, the people gave is, like, oh, they're playing too slowly. But, like, really, you know in the back of their mind, like, these shitty white people are, like, I don't know why these black women are here. Clearly, this is not a place for them. And it's, like, nah, they have enough money. They like golf. They yeah. can fucking join your goddamn country club. Yeah. Anyway. And, and like, yeah. And, you know, Japan, even, even you know, like, like, Japanese racism towards, uh, other countries in Asia, like China, yeah, you know, yeah. this has far-reaching political consequences. Right. With like not like refusing to recognize things like the rape of Nanking oh, and, God, and yeah. things like that, where it's like this is a ongoing struggle in schools to teach yeah. some of the atrocities that Japan perpetrated during the Second World War. Man, because you know <laughs> we're so good at teaching as slavery. Oh yeah. Uh, you can make a pro-con list. Because that was something that happened uh, oh, in the yeah, school. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. was a teacher had some kids make a pro-con list about slavery. Uh, um, America, to which yeah. one of the kids wrote, none, and then, like, Snapchatted it. It was pretty great. It was pretty, uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway. I mean, I... I but, but, you know, it's like every... F, like, every industrialized nation yeah. has its really shitty parts. And yeah. and also, like, there's the, the Burakuman people. You, you familiar with them? Yeah, the, the native people of the... the no, no. Not the native people. Those those are different. Okay. The, 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 Enlighten us. Okay. Yes, Alex. please. So, I honestly have no idea, and I feel kind of bad. So the the Burakuman were are are they're still around. Basically, the descendants of people that were kind of ostracized from the rest of society because they worked in what were considered unclean jobs. Okay. So like the the butchers or like the you know the the tanners or the people that worked in, uh, undertakers, they would be not like allowed to work in the cities and had to work in like hamlets outside of the city and not able to marry into you know regular fam even common families of like farm farmers. Really? Okay, yeah. this is this is something new on me. I've not, not heard of this. And one. this uh this like 
is genetically kind of a stigma that passes down. Like even you know, the the in today it's hard for you know, Burkumen to find jobs outside of things like garbage collecting huh. in Japan. Um, and and like maybe it's gotten better since then, but in the nineties there was you know, in the nineteen nineties there was a, a publicized thing where there was like a, a secret document that went around the different employment uh, offices where it's like it had the list of everybody that was Burakuman. And so they would like what? check the name of people applying for jobs with this. And if they were at the, oh, sorry, we couldn't find your job. And so this kind of was leaked and it came out Holy as this shit. big scandal. Yeah. Oh, my God. So okay, like, that, this yeah. is literally the first time I've ever heard about yeah, this. So, so the Burakuman people, you know, they, they are you know ostracized against in japan in many ways like i said maybe that's getting better maybe things have changed yeah. since then but even within japan where these white nationalists you know tote as a as an ethno state where everyone's Jap like 90 99 percent of the population is ethnically japanese even within that there's still racism against yeah. other, other groups of japanese, japanese people yeah. yeah so it's like no that's not necessarily the case uh, and to go what you were talking about, uh, the native population, yeah. uh, the Ainu, that's different. Right, yeah. right, yeah, yeah. Uh, and actually, I did want to talk about that because that links, if, if you guys are, are done. No, with, no, no, yeah, yeah. go ahead. Because yeah. uh, that actually links in with the anime that I watched uh, new, which is called Golden Kamoi. Okay. Uh, it's on Crunchyroll, and it's only like uh, three episodes in, two if you want to go free. Uh, but it is a period piece. And this was something that a friend of ours, I'm sure, is probably already watching. Um, but you know, not something that I would generally think that we would watch. Uh, it's it's a period piece set after the Russo-Japanese War. Okay. Uh, so if that tells you which of our friends, yeah, was, no, yeah. That, that, <laughs> I was already kind of there, but yeah, no, now I'm yeah. all the way there. So it's set after the Russo-Japanese War, and it's it's a good show, but it has some issues. But hopefully that'll get worked out as the show goes on. Um, and it follows a. a this this uh, veteran of the war is he survived a, a battle he, he came to the northern part of Japan Hokkaido, and there was a gold rush going on in Hokkaido at the time, and he's panicking. the Hokkaido 49ers, yes. I'm <laughs> well, the Hokkaido O one ers whatever. Um, but the um, uh, he's panning for gold because his buddy in the war he, he died. And his uh, wife needed like a surgery or something, and he needs to. He, he feels responsible for his buddy's wife. Uh, and while he's doing this, he hears a rumor about this criminal that took that stole a lot of gold from the Ainu people and hid it somewhere in Japan. This huge cache of gold, and he got arrested, the, the criminal, and uh, put a map to it or like a clues to it, tattooed it into the backs of these prisoners. Oh my god! And then the prisoners were able to escape. He wasn't the, the original criminal, but the, all the prisoners escaped and went to Hokkaido to try to figure it out. But the um, the problem is that the way the tattoos are made, you can't do it with everyone alive. You have to like skin them Ugh. and sew them together. Yeah, it's Jesus. so so they all start killing each other and. Eventually, he kind of figures out that the person telling him the story is one of the criminals, and uh. he tries, you know, he, the guy telling him the story sobers up, he was drunk at the time, tries to kill him, he ends up, you know, dying in self-defense, and then a bear attacks, because they're in the wilderness of Hokkaido, and bear attacks happen, and he's saved, you know, the, the guy's name is uh, Shugimoto, and he's saved by uh, As Asirpa, who is a Ainu girl, and she's a hunter, and so it it kind of follows their exploits where he wants to get some money to pay for 
his buddy's wife to go get surgery, which would not account for all that much money. Um, but he also wants to help out this Ayuno girl whose father was killed by this criminal when he stole their gold mm-hmm. and basically avenge his, her father's death. Uh, so it's the two of them, you know, getting together to, to help, you know, to try to solve this, this mystery, all the while searching down, tracking down these uh, criminals that have escaped. Not to kill them, uh, but to try to map out, like, draw pictures of the tattoos and try to map that out that yeah. way. But then, <laughs> yeah, you'd think that maybe that would be the first thing you would yeah. buy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, the, these criminals are not the smartest of bunch. Fair enough. Uh, but in any case, uh, like, the military's involved, and there's, like, a corrupt military official that's trying to find the gold, too. And it, it turns into a kind of a, sh- a thing. It sounds an awful – like, it's really interesting because mm-hmm. it sounds an awful lot like an American Western. It does. Yeah. It and, does. And I'm, I'm trying to think – it's like I was watching this, and I was hearing the, the – seeing the plot unfold, and it's like – I've seen this before somewhere. It's good, the bad, and the ugly. It's <laughs> <laughs> exactly what this is. There you go. Um, or, or something along those lines. And it's, which, is, which is also kind of fascinating when you consider how much kind of, like, back and forth there is between mm-hmm. samurai movies and westerns. Yeah. Like, this this got a little bit of a tangent, but, like... The, the the good the bad the ugly um that that character the man, the Clint Eastwood character the man with no name is based off of um the main character of two Akira Kurosawa movies uh Senjiro and Yojimbo mm-hmm. um and like Seven uh, Magnificent Seven which has been made about a million times at this point is also in itself a remake of Seven Seven Seven, Seven yeah. So, yeah, that's... Yeah. And to even further the connections, where you have in Westerns the, you know, the native populations, yeah. uh, you also have the Ainu as, Ainu, like, the yeah. native population of Hokkaido, uh, or technically of all, all of Japan. Japan yeah. yeah, But by that time, they had basically been forced just into Hokkaido. And nowadays, there are still Ainu people around today. Yeah. Um, it does, it, like I said, I'm, I'm hoping it gets better at this. It does fall into a bit of the traps of even media of that time of like the, the the I guess the mighty whitey or the mighty Japanese person coming yeah. into this primitive society and trying to understand it but understand it better. Yeah, yeah. It's not. I'm gonna do this your culture better than you. Yeah. It doesn't you go. You can't do this culture yeah. as good as me. It doesn't go full that. Like <laughs> like he's still he's respectful. Like we're not talking dances with wolves. We're not talking dances with wolves. We're not talking stuff like that. But. It, it kind of flirts with the idea. Yeah. So I'm hoping it doesn't go that way route. I'm hoping it stays respectful, but distant. Um, and, and like, it, it's really interesting in that it goes into things like recipes. Like, like a huh. large part of it is she, she's teaching, like, she's helping him survive in the wild because, like, they don't want to go to a town to stay there because they'll get targeted by Did the police. Did George R.R. R. Martin write this? I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but, like, she's, she's, like, showing him how to cook, uh, a, like, a rabbit, uh, like, a dish made out of squirrel mm-hmm. and, like, showing him how to trap squirrels and, and such like that. Um, and, and then they go to their town. And what's interesting is when they go to her town, uh, they actually have the Ainu language being spoken. And I'm looking at the Wikipedia article here, and it says that there was actually a uh, Ainu lang- uh, language linguist uh, that was brought in to deal with this and make sure that it was, you know, correct, you know, language, not just gibberish that yeah. they're presenting. But like when you see it, because it's not on Crunchyroll, it's not English dub. When you see it; it's all Japanese. 
but then when they're speaking in Ainu, they have English subtitles and, and Japanese, Japanese subtitles. subtitles. Yeah. Huh. So it's it's interesting to see that much detail put into it, at least. Um, I hope it's accurate detail, but you mm -hmm. know, it's 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 good to show that this culture did and still does exist in Japan. Yeah. Um, now, because it's it's. I mean, it's something that completely gets erased, like mm -hmm. outside of Japan. It's something that's hardly ever talked about. Yeah. Like, I saw something about it, uh, maybe a few months ago, which mm, is yeah. the reason why that was still in my head. Um, but yeah, you you hardly ever think about the fact that the the people who we consider to be you know the the, the Japanese are not actually native to those islands. They're they're immigrants from you know from the Korean Asia. Peninsula. Yeah. yeah. So what was the name of this? The, this was called Golden Kamoi, and Kamoi is apparently, uh, I might be butchering that pronunciation, it's apparently like an Ainu word for a spirit. Okay. Uh, and, um, or that's that's grossly oversimplifying it. But yeah, like, but it's like the probably the best way that we can like translate it into English without yeah. talking a whole lot about a whole bunch of other things. Yeah, but like the, the, she talks about how there's um, like like the wolf Kumai that, that the protects her and, and there's actually a wolf in it that it shows up from time to time that is like the last of this type of wolf that went extinct around this point in time because hmm. japanese hunters killed them all huh. um so it's like you know it's very much set in its this. time yeah check it out it's uh, yeah this sounds really this sounds really interesting you said it is on Crunchyroll. it is on Crunchyroll. yeah there's three episodes in two episodes if you're cheap and yep. um, i am <laughs> <laughs> and you know we are alex yeah um, so yeah, but yeah. no, check that out. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes, and hopefully it doesn't go in that route I was talking about. But yeah. hopefully it stays on the on the good. So I think unless we've got other other animes that we want to talk yeah, about, we've, we let's, we've got like one big one. But I'm just seeing if there's anything oh, else okay. that we want to kind of address before so... we get into the big one that you and I have been watching. I've got nothing. I, I, I have one, but I'm going to tie it into what we're about to talk about. Unless, okay. unless you're going to talk about the same thing. All right. <laughs> um, so Elise and I, and this is kind of the one that I want to focus most of it on because it's what we've been spending most, most of, of our, our free time, time on recently. Uh, we've been watching My Hero Academia, um, which I, I had a lot of people like recommend it to me, both directly and indirectly. Um, so I was finally like, I finally asked Elise, do we have, do you have any interest in watching the show with me? And she's like, well, I'll give it an episode. Um, cause she had never heard of it. Right. Like you didn't. Yeah, really... no, it was interesting. And like, I never, I never heard of my hero academia. I never like. One of our friends know. talks about it a lot, like a lot, a lot. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I and so I sort of assumed that it was like, eh, maybe this isn't something that I'm going to be into. Um, cause I, I feel like I have. I don't want to say, like, more niche anime. Like, I watched all of fucking Monster, which I don't think, like, anybody has ever watched. Anyway. No, never so, right, like, and people are like, is, I never heard that, of this. Is that the one um, about Eileen Vornos? No, it's... Never mind. It's a... It's about a... Never mind. It's it's about a Japanese... If, you, if you're interested in watching it, it is fucking long. Just so <laughs> you know. It is fucking long, but it's about a Japanese doctor living in Germany... Um, and he is sort of like at the height of his career and ends up, or at this like kind of make or break moment in his career. And basically two people come in. Um, and one of them is like a member of the hospital board and the other one is a child. And he was already starting work on surgery on the child that is dying. And 
neglected the hospital board member and so he ended up like not like neglected but it's like you know i'm i'm not gonna my, hands, of, my hands my hands are, are half in this guy's throat like though. literally tied <laughs> to this kid and then they basically end up you know firing him and it's this whole sort of you know because even though he made a very noble choice in the end by taking care of the poor child he didn't take care of the board member that everybody wanted to him to and it sort of goes from there and it's wrapped up in this mystery it's it's fucking fascinating. It's really, it's hella long. Like, you're in for a commitment. But, yeah, Monster is is definitely a recommend. Okay. So, anyway, that's a side tangent. And that's all, and all of this is just saying, like, I, uh, there are very few people who can, like, say, Elise, you should watch this anime and I will, like, take them seriously. Um, and so, I wasn't sure if I'd like My Hero Academia. And then we started watching it and I was like, oh, my God. I fucking love this. Yeah. And, it's, you know, I, I don't know. So um, let's... Nick, sum it up okay. for us. So My Hero Academia is the shonen anime that is the anti-shonen anime. Um, shonen, for those of you who are not huge weeaboos, the shonen is basically like, when people think about anime, they typically think about shonen. Stupid overly drawn out, overly dramatic, hyper macho anime typically geared towards young boys. Think Dragon, Dragon Ball, Ball Z. Z, Naruto, Bleach, all of those, the things that last for about 50 episodes more than they actually should um and everything is solved through punching and very little like actual thought. So it does, it, it it mirrors a lot of shonen anime in terms of it primarily focuses on male characters, um, all of the characters have powers, there is combat as a central element, but the way that it kind of subverts these tropes in very subtle and interesting ways I think makes it worth talking about. So in my hero, in the world of My Hero Academia, about 80% of all people who are born have some sort of, they call them quirk, but it's basically a a supernatural, superhuman power. Yeah. It's basically inverse X-Men. Instead of mutants being like the outlying freaks, it's people who are born without powers who are the freaks. Mm. So most, most quirks are like small little things you can't really do much with. Like, um, the main character's mom has telepathy, and she can levitate small objects very slowly. Um, but so, like, there's a scene of her cooking, and she, like, waves over the salt and pepper. And yeah. it's like, that's that's what she can do. <laughs> not nothing, not necessarily Tele anything. Te telepathy or yeah, telekinesis? Te uh, telekinesis. Telekinesis, okay. yeah. Um, so she's able to to like lift small objects. She mentions that her uh, the, that the main character's father, who, at the point where we're at in the series, we're about little over halfway through season two. We still haven't seen his father, so we don't know what the deal is there. But apparently he could, like, breathe, like, a little bit of fire. Um, so it's, like, that kind of stuff. But because so many people have it, every once in a while you get someone who has really powerful quirk. And um, because of the nature of, like, what's going on, like, these, this this was all a fairly recent development. So it's within the past, like, couple few of generations. generations. So Midori's mother you know, definitely grew up. So Midori is the main character. His mother, he's, you know, 15, uh, first year in high school. Um, 
and you know, so his mother like grew up with quarks, and it's it's been it's, like it's it, normal a, in society. It's normalized in society. And so basically, when these things first developed, and people like criminals started committing crimes using because their powers, people are fucking terrible. So uh, obviously, there are going to be some people that use their powers for good. To become superheroes, and there are people that use their power to become super villains. So the premise of the show is basically that the as a result of this, the governments of the world decided that they would start like sanctioning uh, costumed superheroes. Basically, because well, I mean, the police can't fucking stop someone who's invulnerable, or can't stop someone who like who shoots out fire or something like that. Like, you need to have other people with powers to be able to stop them. And so, essentially, uh, and it's really interesting, because in a recent episode, it was said that, like, hey, heroes aren't sanctioned to, like, make arrests. They're not sanctioned to really use force unless, like, someone else... They can't render judgment. They can't render judgment. So, it's like, the police force and the criminal justice system are all there, but, like, a part of it, like, kind of an ancillary part of it, is are these government-sponsored heroes, who kind of are, are like contractors, basically. Okay. Like, they stop crime, and based off of the severity of the crimes that they help stop and their popularity, they get paid. So this is a, becomes an extremely competitive market. Um, and so our main character, Midoriya, is one of the few people born without a quirk. Um, and he, like from a very young age, is obsessed with costume heroes and like learning all about them. Uh, and basically finds out I'm probably about four or five years old that he does not have a quirk. Um, and that's something that they can find out because it's a genetic, it's, it's a part of human evolution. There's a genetic thing involved. Uh, and it's like the, uh, the way his like bones of his toes, the way the bones in your toes, like if you have a quirk, then you only have one joint in your pinky toe. If you don't have one, you have two. Okay. Because two joints is, is like, we don't need to have two joints in a pinky toe anymore. That's ev an evolutionary throwback. So the people who are more evolved also have this as kind of a side effect. So you can x-ray someone's foot and figure out so whether or not they're born with a quirk. So you can min-max their foot potentially? That would <laughs> I, it's, it's, it, no, it's, it's more like if you just, if you're like x-ray someone's foot, you can see whether they have this mutation yeah, or yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you. again, most people have the mutation. Um, so Midoriya is kind of a, an evolutionary throwback. He's teased in school because he doesn't have a power. Um, and, but he, he obsessively, but he obsesses. Yeah. Over, over superheroes. He has, he basically has like an encyclopedia that he's created about all the different heroes. He catalogs all the different heroes, their powers, um, their quirks, their weaknesses, um, any major achievements and, and really, really obsesses with it. And, and analyzes things, but his favorite is All Might. Is All Might the greatest? Not to get too much on a tangent, is All Might the greatest Superman analog in fiction? Because I kind yeah. of feel like he is. No, he's fucking great. Um, so All Might is what you would think of as like prototype Superman. He, he, he is he is the Superman of this world. He's the most popular, most powerful superhero. Okay, and he's like always smiling. And, like, always saving people. And, like, that's the kind of person that, like, Midoriya wants to become when he grows up. Fast forward many, many years later, and this is all kind of within the pilot, uh, within the world of the pilot. So he actually, Midoriya, gets to meet All Might. 
there's a villain who shows up and all might's chasing him and midoriya kind of gets stuck in the middle of this whole thing and you come to find out that uh all might's power is something called one for all which is a power that is not is not genetic but rather passed from person to person and um and inherited and you find out that he although he's like this big buff superman kind of man um that's only when he is controlling all for one and otherwise oh excuse me one for all that's uh only when he's controlling one for all and if he's not controlling one for all he actually becomes this very like spindly very like sickly sickly like worn out guy and you find out it's because there was a, a battle. We still haven't found out much about this, but a few years back, he was in a battle that kind of stayed out of the press where he was, like, very seriously injured. And basically, he's dying. Yeah. Um, and he needs to find a successor. Yes. Um, and he meets Midoriya. And one of the things Midoriya asks him is, like, can I be a superhero without without a quirk? And he's like, no. Basically, no. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, but No. And um, and Midori gets upset because, like, the one thing he's always wanted to be and the one thing everybody has told him he cannot be is a hero. Um, but the thing that Midoriya has above everybody else is that his willingness to sacrifice himself in order to save others and that willingness, like, go out and fight and to put himself, uh, put himself out there. And it's really, like, he's... endearingly noble yes and not in a way that is like forced or in a way that is like saccharine like it's a very genuine kind of thing and one of the really cool things about Midoriya which I had to kind of I I don't know I had to like deal with my own kind of stuff is Midoriya cries all the fucking time especially in season one openly less in season two but yeah the beginning of season one especially has no like very and so it's like a very like blunt rejection of toxic masculinity where you have this like scrawny kid who you know just wants to help other people and is very in touch with his emotions willing to cry at a drop of the hat and makes like other people uncomfortable and like makes all might uncomfortable and i'm kind of ashamed to say that like i was sort of uncomfortable with how much midoriya cried (laughs) in the first season i was like midoriya like get your shit together anyway but he's adorable um and then uh so then after seeing this kind of noble side of him. Well, we, we, what ends up happening is that the villain gets away again. Like the villain that All Might comes in to help to stop ends up getting away again. Um, and Midoriya finds out that basically he wasted, like All Might wasted all of his time. Because he, he, no one in the public knows that All Might is like really weak. And like, so he, he can only stay in this form for a certain amount of time per day. Mm-hmm. Um, or else it like it starts to like hurt him. Um, so does he have like a handler or something that? that... No, not no. really. No, but so he he like so he he loses that the that form in front of Midoriya and has to tell him all about it. Like, okay, I can only be all my for I think in the beginning it's like three hours a day or yeah. something like that. Um, and the rest of the time this is what I look like. And so when the when they they don't realize that the villain has escaped, they don't realize that that all might's used up all of his power. So like none of the other professional heroes can stop this villain. And he ends up attacking the rival character, like this other guy who has this really powerful 
quirk and is able to control it really well and has had it from a very young age and has kind of been the primary bully of Midoriya for like all of his life. Can we spoil why he bullies him though? Yeah, I, yeah, okay. sure. We'll okay. still talk, talk about it. I'm sorry. I just because in another way that like my hero academia really like rejects toxic masculinity is you come to find out that the reason why um, Bakugo, the rival character, um, picks on Midoriya so much is that when they were like four years old, four or five years old, um, they were like hanging out in the woods, and Bakugo fell over. And, uh, like, fell off, like, the little log that they were climbing on and fell into the river. And everybody else was like, oh, Bakugo, like, he's so tough, whatever. And Midoriya ran down and was like, oh, my God, are you okay? And, like, trying to help him back up. And because Bakugo felt like Midoriya exposed a weakness in him um, or, like, how dare you feel like I need help, um, he's, like, ever since has, has just really made his bullied, life like, like, yeah, living, living hell. hell. Um, man, um, sorry, it's such a good show. It's a really good show. It's the, such a good show. And like the one of the things that I really appreciated that like most anime of this type doesn't do is like every single episode, like every character gets developed. Yeah, and it's like including characters that you wouldn't expect to get a whole lot of development, other than this is the goofy sidekick character. Yeah. Like, this character is very serious. Mm. Like, you really go deep into who these people are and, like, kind of their psychologies and why they behave the way that they do. Um, but so so this, the, the bully character gets attacked by the villain uh, and Midoriya runs in to go save him. And All Might is kind of watching from the crowd. Is like, I can't risk turning back into All Might. Um, like I feel bad because none of the heroes can stop them. And then he sees this kid rush in and like risk himself, even though he knows he has no power and can do literally nothing to stop this mm. guy, still go in and give it his all. So he kind of says, he reveals that like my power can be, is passed down from generation to generation. It's called one for all. Um, because no one really knows what exactly his power is. They know he's super tough and super strong and he can seem to fly. And people have like guessed at it for over the years and he always just kind of like, nods and like gives like a very cheeky answer whenever people yeah. ask but the really the the thing that i find interesting in terms of like the 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 way that we can look at this show is that it's something that becomes stronger the more people have it mm. so but you have to find someone who's kind of like worthy of using it in order to pass it on and it's not a worthiness that comes out of you know intellect it's not a worthiness that comes out of showboating or um that sort of like like just to bring it to another fandom like midori is the ultimate fucking hufflepuff yeah because he's he not really is he's not brave That's in a, a sense that like a gryffindor is brave for the you know for the showboatiness or the the notoriety of it it's like he's scared shitless and he just does it anyway because he can't see any other way of being or any other way of like he can't exist in a world in which like this injustice is this injustice yeah. is, is happening. And so and it's because of that, like that innate sense of of fairness and injustice are like wanting to fight against injustice. Like that's why that's who Midoriya is. And so it was like interesting because all my, you know, was looking for somebody and looking for somebody and he finds Midoriya. Yeah, he finds basically someone who just kind of reminds him about like this is what he needs to be. Cause even he admits like, I kind of forgot what this was supposed to be about. This was helping other people. 
and I was so concerned about myself and what I could do, but you rush in, like you rushed in without thinking, without hesitating. And that's what makes someone really a hero is their willingness to put themselves on the line to help other people. And so really you can be a hero. This idea gets gets thrown around like continuously throughout the series in a lot of different ways. And it's definitely like a, a prominent motif of like what makes a hero, what happens when, you know, hero, hero dumb becomes like basically commodified. Yeah. Cause that's a lot of like what the, like the show is about is like how people make a living at this and yeah. how it is commodified and how competitive it is. But like the school that he wants to go to, My Hero Academia, um, UA, 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 um, which is the high school that he wants to go to, uh, how it, it, it only accepts like 0 0.05 of all the applicants um, that are there. And so it's, it's you know, and he, he gets in and it's great. Anyway, um, you should, everybody should fucking watch it. So, I'm trying not to spoil it for people. Yeah, let, there's so I, many wonderful I, I kind of want to talk about it in just general terms of like theming and yeah. like things that we're seeing with it. And that, well, at least things that I'm seeing with it. And again, how this kind of goes against a lot of the, the ideas that we were talking about earlier with um, the, the connection between like, toxic masculinity white supremacy and like anime fandom mm -hmm. uh which is again like kind of the nature of who the main character is because yeah. in a lot of shonen anime the the main character is someone who's just special from birth yeah right? like he's the chosen the chosen one. one you know he's a saiyan he's uh, like i like, hate that's yeah, <laughs> and, and then you would fucking love my hero academia because, because like, he's literally quirkless. Because like he is, and, and the person who has the or the people who have like the strongest natural quirks in the show, like Bakugo, who again he's kind of the the bully rival character. He gets into the same class, and like one thing that ends up happening fairly early on in season one is all the other students kind of start ostracizing Bakugo because he's a dick, mm. but they all like Midoriya because he's nice to everybody. <laughs> and and like, he's very kind and very like complimentary. Yeah. And like, it doesn't go in for like the comp he's like, he's competitive, but he's like, he doesn't let his competitiveness kind of get in the way of his friendships. Whereas Bakugo does. Yeah. And so, so like, Midoriya becomes like he, he's kind of shocked by this because it's like world where like I'm more popular than Bakugo how is this possible <laughs> like why is this happening um and it's because Bakugo has all the natural talents but he doesn't really have the personality to go along with it like he he wants to put himself above everybody else whereas Midoriya is very humble um and he recognizes there's a few points in in, in the season in, I can't remember where it is Exactly, but there's a few points where he's like, look, I know that I would not be at this school if not for, like, and, and like they flash back to all the people who have helped him. It's like, I wouldn't be where I am if other people didn't help me get there. Like, Which I then spurs him on to, like, do, do better. Because he's like, I have, have to, to show that I'm worthy of, of their, their help. help. <laughs> God, it's so beautiful. It's so, so fucking it's beautiful. It's so good because it is, like they have all of those kinds of character tropes, but then they're like, they flip them around in really interesting ways. 
And I love, I also really love the way that they treat the girl characters, mm-hmm. which are generally like in any other anime would be there's a little, window dressing. There's a there's a bit of fan service here and there, but like whenever they do it, there, there's one character who's like in there for like comic relief and he's just an annoying pervert and like everyone is constantly calling him out for being an annoying pervert. Mm. Which is kind of nice, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's also, yeah. There is, there are kind of, there, there are some very like fan servicey things yeah. that happen, especially in season two. But ultimately, all of the girl characters, even the very minor ones, are are characters. Are, are characters. Yeah. They're whole complete characters. And one of the things that's really cool who have their own arcs, arcs and their own motivations and like, and I remember, so at one point, like all the students get costumes and yeah. I remember having this kind of like knee jerk reaction when I saw one of the characters who's like portrayed as very like smart and intellectual and like creative. And her quirk is that she can create things. Um, well, you kind of you you did it a little bit in reverse, cause like yeah. cause like you you see cause this you you see her in costume before you really know who she is, and her costume is like very revealing, very skimpy, yeah. and then you find out the reason is because her quirk is that she can her body generates like materials. She can basically make whatever she can think of out of her body, but she has to actually like reach in and like pull it out basically. So So that's why she needs to show a lot of skin is so that way she can pull a sword out of her thigh or something. And, and so then it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, She's one of my favorite characters. She's pretty good. Yeah. And they're all, I don't know. And so there's fan service and then there's also just like, it's, it's nice to see, girls portrayed and their friendships and the girls have friendships with each other mm-hmm. and they're not subservient to the male character arcs that happen in this show. And there's like a little bit of like love triangle ish. Like there, there there's like a wink, there's like a wink and a nudge towards a love triangle, but it doesn't really go anywhere. And it's just sort of like, you know, it's sort of brushed off. And so all of these things, it's just, it's, I don't know. And it's been interesting for me because I've been watching another anime um, that some of my friends are trying to get me to watch called K, which I feel is very like what you would expect anime to be in the sense that there is like there's these, you know, different wizard factions and they can all do magic and each one of them has a king and blah, blah, blah. And there's like the girls in a skimpy outfit for no reason to be be in a skimpy outfit. And there's, you know, and and all of these sort of things and like none of the characters really get developed except for the main one and there's not a lot of like interesting arcs or things and it's it's a lot of like isn't it neat when things glow and blow up and so it's been interesting in my mind that i've been kind of watching these two sort of simultaneously and and comparing the two in my head and it's like man my hero academia to to be perfectly clear though Things are incredibly neat when things glow and blow up. <laughs> the animation in the show is pretty, oh, it's, pretty yeah. fucking on point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the things that really interest me about it are how yeah, it's not oh I'm gonna be the biggest and the strongest because I need to be the biggest and the strongest. It's I kind of need to be the biggest and the strongest because I want to help people and I want to be worthy of all the trust that people have put in me. Um, one thing. This is a minor spoiler. Um, one thing that I thought was really great in season two, there's this big competition, like showing off who these, who these characters are. So you can kind of get a sense of it. Like, and that's a very shonen anime. Oh, we're going to have a tournament and all the characters are going to fight. So you get a sense of who all these characters are. 
Um, but there's one where he's fighting this guy who has two powers, kind of. Like, they're all kind of... They, they, they go together. Um, but he refuses to use one of them because that's the same power that his abusive father has. Mm. And so in the fight with the main character, with Midoriya, Midoriya is like, he's trying to win, and he knows that if this guy uses his full power, he will probably lose. But he's still trying to win, and at the same time, he's like, look, you need to accept that this is part of who you are and use this. So there's like counseling happening <laughs> at the same time that they're fighting each other. Oh, that's great. And yes. it helps him like become a fully realized person in his own right and like start working through these issues he has with his abusive father and like the way that he treated his mother and all of these other things that goes in with the super awesome like high kinetic anime fight. Um, sounds like sounds like a, a good show. It is. It, it is. is. And again, it, it's the 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 tropes of oh well, you know, if you're watching Dragon Ball Z, Saiyans are just naturally stronger than uh, than uh, humans than humans. humans. Well, I was trying to think of what Piccolo was than the, the Namekians. Namekians. Um, you know, so the Saiyans are, are superior in everything, and so the Saiyan should be the leader and the strongest. And, like, the main character is just naturally strong, even though he's kind of a lazy asshole. Um, but, the, but we're going to, like, excuse dead. this. But we're going to excuse it because it's cute and funny. And the person who actually, like, works and is trying to get better is kind of... So, like like It's like Vegeta is, like, the, the stupid asshole, even though he's the better dad and, like more devoted to what he does <laughs> all these other things even though he starts off as a villain he has more of a character arc but like nope everyone step aside motherfucks goku's coming through and it's nice to see something that like does those same kinds of stories in a very different way in a way that is very conscious of this main character needs his friends mm -hmm. and his friends even though they're more powerful are too competitive and they need him to kind of balance them out. Balance, like, and, like, keep this same, like, okay, well, we, we're kind of in competition, but we still need to be friends. Like, we need to work together because, like, there are bigger things. And we definitely see throughout the show, there are big, big, huge, bad threats. Right. Um, that keep popping up. And it's like, well, fuck. And, and like, the villains are working together. The villains aren't in competition. And in season two, there's a villain who's like, who's got a really good point of you guys call yourselves heroes, but you're all kind of out for yourselves. Like you're out to make money, which is true. Where we talked about earlier, the, com the com commodification. commodification yeah. So there's, there's some interesting critiques of like how this stuff all works. Um, and he's still like a crazy psychopath, but like, he's kind of right. Yeah. for that so and the he's way a that, very like, compelling villain great villains are there's like a, a kernel of truth, truth that you saying. can yeah that you can you can stick to and it's like oh god i agree with this person and um 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm sorry. I, I, I like it, there was such an awkward pause. I totally had a thought and it just completely derailed. That that's fine. That's but, fine. So um, so this so you're saying I should try it. I, oh, hell I yeah. think you would probably like <laughs> yeah, it. Hell yeah. It's uh, on it is on Crunchyroll uh subtitled. It's on Hulu. The first season and a half is dubbed. Okay. And the rest of it they ha- they have up through uh I think the latest episode is episode 3 that came out a little less than a week ago okay. for season 3. Um that that's all subtitled. All right. I'll check that out. Um Yeah, and so that's it's it's a nice and so that in kind of a roundabout way is sort of I I feel like what the connection is between this like white supremacy thing I kind of alluded to it and anime and like Japanese culture is that a lot of like at least what gets exported to the west fairly typically that people kind of consume at a fairly formative age does have these sort of these sort of messages of uh, like some people are just strong. Some people are just better. Some people are just better than others. Yeah. And like, you know, if you're not conscious about that sort of messaging, it, it can lead to kind of bad things. Cause yeah, like, like Dragon Ball Z is like the kind of the, the er example of that. It's like, everybody's got a power level. That Everyone's is- got a Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a commodity. There's like a quantified thing that shows your value as a character in this show. Yeah. Whereas, you know, My Hero Academia is largely about how he's he's not that. And he's kind of has to work at it and earn and, it. And because he's earning it and working at it, it is making him better than the people who have all this stuff naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, it's also very encouraging of diversity. Mm-hmm. There's a large amount of, like, less so with the female characters, but especially with the male characters, there's a large amount of body diversity that you don't... Find in a lot of shonen. There's a fair um, amount of body diversity among the female characters. Like Sue, yeah, that's true. Sue looks Sue, very different. Sue is a f- is, her power is that she's a frog. Um, she's like a frog human. Okay, it's great. She's wonderful. She's I love her. But um, it's a very like pro diversity message. It's a very like you have to rely on each other. It's a very like. People have different skills. People have different skills. That doesn't mean that people are better or worse than others, but that you have to accept and use the variety of skills that people have. And that and that differences should be yeah. celebrated. Differences should be celebrated. You should learn from other people who have and different experiences from you. Leadership is, in essence, a serving position. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, absolutely. Yeah. And that's really kind of driven home. One of the other characters... Um, is becoming a hero because his older brother is like a leader of a group of heroes and he wants to be kind of like him. Um, and, and he's learning some, some he's interesting learning some lessons. serious lessons in season two, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Um, about what exactly that means. But like the, there's a, there's a flashback scene where like his brother is first becoming a hero and kind of first stepping up. And he's like, I'm like, like it's not that I'm leading them like, cause he's like a leader of a group. He's like, I'm not leading them around, but, like, they trust me to take care of them. They trust me to, like, do these decisions. Like, I'm serving them. I'm helping them. Like, so, like, the, what Elise was talking about with it being, um, like, leadership being a service position rather than, you know, needing to be the biggest and the toughest is, like, very overtly stated in the mouth of this character. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it I, was. It was like here's the subtext of the show, and 
Just in case you weren't paying attention, yeah, yeah. children. Here it is as actual is text. This is what you need to know. Here it is as literal text. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's it's really funny. Like, they try to pick a... a um, and, and just, like, how I feel, like, authentically teenagers oh, are portrayed God, yeah. in this show is really great. Um, because there's, like, a point where... You know, because all of these kids that are coming, from, coming to Class 1A... Um, were all the best at their own schools and they were all best at their home schools and they all believe that they're like, you know, God's greatest gift to humanity. Except for Midoriya, who's like... Because he basically, again, he got in. He shouldn't have gotten in. Like, that's the thing. And that's kind of what's driven home in the first few episodes. It's like, he should not have gotten in, but because of this, this, and this, he does. Because of who he is. Because of who he is. Of being a, a self-sacrificing, putting him... You know, putting himself last in the service of but others. Like, but like, basically, that's the reason why he gets it. If so it were, if it weren't for his chance encounter with All Might, he wouldn't have. Yeah, because that's what gives him the ability to do. Oh, oh my God! The big thing that we didn't talk about in terms of how. Okay, so, so one for all. The it, like, it's a, it's a just a. It enhances your natural abilities, and so you become when you're using it super strong, super tough, uh, super fast, and so. Midoriya can't actually harness all the power because his body is still fairly weak. Um, and so whenever he uses it, at least in the beginning, where, where we're getting at now, he's starting to harness it a little bit better. But whenever he has to use it, he ends up breaking a limb. So he, he is literally being self-sacrificing yeah. and being a hero. So it's a matter of how best do I use this power? When do I need to use it? Exactly. How much do I need to do in order to do the most good with as right, without hurting myself too much? Um. So his self-sacrifice is very much like applauded, but he can only do so much. He can only and, give him and himself at one so point, much. Uh, the school nurse is like, I'm not fucking healing you. Yeah, anymore. I can't. Like, I, it's just, like, get your shit together. You need or to get learn out of how to control office. what this power is. Um, so, it, I don't know. And it's really interesting. And All Might is a really interesting figure as a mentor character. Um, especially since like the, one of the first things that he asked Midoriya to do is to clean up this beach. Yeah. And that's going to be his, his, that's your like, training. That's his training. Um, and unlike Dragon Ball Z or Naruto, instead of taking like many, many episodes, it's like, no, this is the one fucking one, episode one that episode, we're devoting. training. Okay, training. now you're trained. Yeah. <laughs> Ten months later. We got a story. We got to do this. Yeah. <laughs> Did they have a montage? They do. They yeah. do. They do. Set to a pretty great. And the soundtrack is The soundtrack's really, really good. good. It's not as good as Box, but yeah. it's really high up there. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think if there was like one more point that I wanted to make about yeah. it. But, uh, I don't know. It's great. You should watch it. Everyone should watch it. It's I'll adorable. check it out. I will be sure to check that out. That yeah. sounds... Now that I've heard more about what it's about, yeah. Yeah. I it's... will be sure to check that out. Oh, also, like, there's a there's a movie coming out with superheroes yeah. soon. You know, maybe you do that with, like... Oh, a, Jesus. Like... Wait, there's a superhero movie? Yeah, oh, movie. you haven't heard about it? Yeah. Oh, it's a little indie flick It's a little... Yeah, the Avengers. Oh. The Avengers Infinity franchise. Wait, like the British show from the 70s, The Avengers? Yes, yes. that Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mrs. Mrs. Peel and whatever, yeah. The Sean Connery's coming back for the sequel. Okay. <laughs> God, do you remember that piece of shit? No. <laughs> <laughs> there was, I, I, I went to go see it. Well, I guess it would, you, you would have been like a little zygote. Um. 
because I think it came out in like 1998 or something like that. I was not a zygote in 98, okay? <laughs> I was born in 93. Uh, but still. Yeah, no, and they did a, um, it was, it was at that period of time where it's like, hey, you know what would make great big like summer box, like summer blockbusters? Uh, old TV shows from the 60s that nobody remembers. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. We'll the do prisoner. Wild, we'll do. God, I wish. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll do the. Uh, yeah, we'll do. Uh, what, what was the like the first one? Like they did like Wild Wild West. Oh no, Mission Impossible. They did like Mission Impossible, and that hit super big. It's like, well, fuck. What other like '60s forgotten franchises can we revive? And they did like Wild Wild West, but then they they did the Avengers too. And, okay. Like, Sean Connery was the villain in it. It was terrible. Uh, I I did not know that. It was uh yeah no you should check it out. I'm trying to remember like it actually had some names in it, but it was not good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I totally went to go see that movie in theaters. There well there was the uh what, what is it uh Mel Brooks spy film or spy series with uh, oh um not spy hard no 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 it's with with Max spies like his... us no no, no 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 oh 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 um um. Um, um, oh God. Yeah, the name. Get Smart. Get Smart, yeah. And then they made the sh- the movie. They moved, yeah, but that was like way later. That was way after this that period. That was way after this like particular period of time from like 1996 to like 1998 or 99. Right. They did this. But like, you know, I guess, I guess that's a thing that, that is even still happened. Like with the uh, Dark Shadows movie. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so. You know. But like none of those things like, like were successful. Like again, the only one that that's actually worked for is Mission Impossible. Yeah, I suppose. Like like Wild Wild West. When was the last time you thought about that movie? Uh, Actually, last no. Week. Yeah, I was gonna say no. Never mind. Bad example. Bad example. I think about that all the time. It's my it's what I set to wake up to. <laughs> oh, Cisco. Um, and there, I feel like there were others. This is completely off what we were talking. Well, about you know, earlier. we had such a wonderful set of like this flows into this flows into this all about anime. Yeah. So now we need to prove our incompetence yeah, again yeah. by just rambling. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, it's good. Doing? We're we're continuing to ramble about like uh, '90s movies based off of '60s TV shows. Oh my god. Um, oh, the Mod Squad. They, the, the, the what? The Mod Squad. <laughs> they're they're spies, but they're hip and cool. Okay. Have you guys ever considered, you know, when you start rambling to just wrap it up with nope. the webcomic of the nope. week? No, because we may come across a topic that will just take yeah, us yeah, off we'll on another find tangent. We'll, we'll, we'll find something good. But oh we can god. talk about the webcomic of the week because it's something I want to talk a bit more about than just a recommendation. Okay. okay. Um, so the webcomic of this week is called Modest Medusa. Okay. Um, and the, the thing about Modest Medusa is that it's not the same thing that it was when it started. And I don't know how I feel about its directions that it's gone on. The, the general concept is, um, a Medusa. Normally it's just the Medusa. It's the name. You know, they're Gorgons. But in this case, they call them a Medusa. Uh, appears in a uh, person's toilet um, through a portal from their world. And uh, it's it's a child, basically. A child Medusa. And uh, she's, you know, curious and, and trying to get into things. And the, the person that owns the toilet uh, is Jake Richmond, who is the artist of Modest Medusa. <laughs> so okay. it is a self-insert. Just, just diving right in there, huh? Yeah, it is It is his webcomic about his experience with this Medusa. Um, and 
it, it like at the beginning it's kind of like a cutesy you know fish out of water thing whereas like she's learning about our world finding out what pokemon is becomes obsessed with it oh you know, it's like a cutesy kind of status quo is perfect you know you stick with the status quo it's, it's like a, a newspaper comic kind of thing. okay yeah um but then at a certain point the plot kicks in <laughs> and it appears like everything changes at once um, because then creatures from the world that the Medusa, who gets the name Modest, um, they start appearing as well. One of which is a a unicorn with a chainsaw for a horn. Yes. <laughs> who? So, I'm here for this. <laughs> uh, so so here here's the weird part. Like how I said, the artist is the main character or one of the supporting characters yeah. of this show. He put, like, his actual family in it. Oh, God. So, like, he hangs out with his niece, Mara, and his roommate, Charles, who they call Charles the Fish Scientist. Um, but, like, this these are based off of actual real people that he knows. Okay. And the, the first... That's not creepy or weird. The first thing that happens is that, like, the, the chainsaw unicorn is, like, it, it's, it's attacking them, and... It chops off Charles's arm. <laughs> and so it's like, this is not something, like, like reality ensues. This is not something that you can come back from. Yeah. His arm is gone. And for the rest of the, the, the webcomic, Charles has only one arm. But remember, this is an actual person yeah. that Jake knows. Um, Did he actually, like, maybe this is, like, <laughs> semi-autobiographical. Maybe this guy actually lost his arm to, to a, a chainsaw-wielding horse. I don't you know. You don't know. <laughs> but, it's uh, possible. But like I, I really Trump's hope Trump's in the White House. Anything's possible. <laughs> I really hope that uh, all of this is like he's like, got these people to sign off on their characters. Yeah. They're like this is being used <laughs> in this webcomic, um, because then they, you know, what happens is the the unicorn is there to basically kidnap Medusa and bring her back to the world where she came from, and so they decide to dive into the toilet and and bring her back, um, and it's it's Jake that goes in there, but his. Um, his niece follows him and uh it like like the the two of them are derping around this fantasy world and it turns into like a fantasy adventure thing where they're trying to get medusa and save her from the evil prince or whatever so this out sluggy freelance is sluggy freelance is this what you're telling me i don't know because then the niece uh, this is a spoiler but the niece oh, that's fine. dies <laughs> like what? in the webcomic yeah like she she gets like she does like a heroic sacrifice in the in the end of this climactic part to you know basically hold off evil for a little bit longer but ends up dying as a result and then they get back to the human world and they deal with the results of like his sister dealing like like it's just like they have uh. to deal with the police it's like these are real people, Mr. Richmond. Why? This is your family. Why are you doing this? Um, now, like, like they dealt with the human world part for a little bit. Now Medusa's back in the 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 fantasy world. Yelled is what they call it. But it's like this is a this is a story that has gone all over the place, and I don't know exactly how I feel about it. Yeah. Because it, it's like I, I, on the one side it. It does. It, it's a. It's got jokes. It's like supposed to be at least at first like a comedy webcomic, but it's got this super dark, you know, subject matter about people that are based characters that are based off actual people, and it's just kind of kind of weird. I do still follow it every day. Every day it updates because you know I want to see what happens next. The 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 kind of dark 
thing with the real people is stop for a while. They're mostly focusing on the fantasy stuff right now. Okay. But if that, if you want to explore the weird tonal shifts of <laughs> Modest Medusa, um, maybe check it out for a little bit. Okay. Uh, but what, what do you guys think about that? Like what? <laughs> I it sounds like I said it sounds like sluggy freelance in terms of. Oh, this is a goofy gag day status quo comic strip. Now here are these huge epic storylines that you have to read all of and under to understand how John Arbuckle has like <laughs> created interdimensional space travel or something. Like, <laughs> like that's that's basically what it is. If like if if fucking like Garfield's like introduced the continuing story arc, that's didn't, what a lot of these web comics didn't they are. do that with like um, Control Alt Delete too? Actually, yeah. Actually, Garfield did introduce an ongoing they did. plot where um, yeah, Garfield John... died. Wait, then... what? What are you talking about? Oh, no, there, there's there was a series of comics. I can't remember if it was in the eighties or nineties, um, where. Garfield finds himself like his house is completely abandoned and like John and Odie are gone and like everything's like boarded up and he's what? yeah you don't know about this I don't know about this so yeah there's there is a this story arc. I don't it was, I don't know about this like I, I don't know no this is a real thing that was published in the newspaper like this comic strip like, no 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 this is a real thing okay and then like and like he's slowly like freaking out and like wondering how he's going to eat. This went on for like a week or two in the comic strip. And then like at the end of it, he like he quote unquote wakes up and like John and Odie are back and like everything seems to be back to normal. But like the headcanon for some people, the, the Garfield headcanon since then is that that was the actual ending to the comic strip and that the rest of it is just the Garfield's delusions as he starves to death in an empty house. Did, oh, did, Jesus. did the author of Garfield want to end Garfield I don't know. Point? Look this up. No, I'm serious. This oh is, a, this is a real too, thing. I cannot sleep tonight now. Thank you. <laughs> I thought that's what you were talking I about. No. I was going to talk about how recently it was like John dated the veterinarian and they got married. And that's like the current plot. Or at least that was a plot like a year ago. I'm sure like they had kids or something by now. Yeah, no, that was the fucking plot I was talking about, goddammit. Well, I was talking about the better one. Oh, the, my the God. More, the more, like, direct tonal shift. Yeah, no, there was, like... Jim two, Davis is There was, like, two... Like, like a, a week well, or two... Well, fucking Dilbert is a white supremacist. That's or, true. So, yeah. yeah. There was, like, a week or two, like, solid, where it was I... just, like, these, these dark, like, super well-drawn comics about, like... Garfield freaking out and then like at the end of it, it like everything goes back to normal but like none of those other comics in that week had like punchlines was it okay yeah what, what when was this like what year this, was this like I said this was like 80s or 90s I don't okay. remember exactly when it was I'm, I hope you liked my guest artist you know the next art <laughs> no it was Jim Davis I'm pretty sure <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah, no. Going back to like like Sluggy Freelance. Did you ever read Sluggy? Freelance? I did not. No. Okay. Sluggy Freelance. I keep seeing it referenced all over the place, it, but I've never because it's like it. it is like patient zero for this kind of bullshit. Okay. Where it's again, it's like it starts off as 
like oh like a stu- stupid little gag a day comic about these these goofy 20 something slacker like best friends and all their stuff yeah. and then it's like oh look there's a character he's a bunny rabbit he's got a switchblade that's something that's unexpected and then it's like there's a whole story arc where like the bunny with a switchblade like starts a galactic empire and it's like this huge, like several thousand page long epic where this happens. And then you go back to a few like Gagaday strips of these goofy characters. And then like one of the goofy friends finds a portal to another dimension where this evil like alien has taken over the planet and they have to stop them. Okay. okay uh, I, I, I've found the bottom of the well that is the Garfield abandoned. Yeah. Uh, what actually happened. So... Um, I'm going to start off with a quote. I'm quoting the article, but it starts off with a quote from Jim Jim Davis, the author of Garfield. An imagination is a powerful tool. It can tint memories of the past, shape perceptions of the present, or paint a future so vivid that it can entice or terrify, all depending upon how we conduct ourselves today. All of this would pretty, pretty heavily suggest that Garfield, the Garfield universe isn't about a guy, a cat, and a dog, but about the delusions of a pet left alone to fend for himself in what, to him, is a post-apocalyptic universe. Nightmare stuff, not really something from the petty pages. So what Nick is saying is absolutely true. There was this sixth-day um, comic strip where wherein Garfield woke up and found himself, like, by himself, and then at the end, you know, it's Garfield and Odie, or Odie and John are there and everything's fine. Anyway, but Davis would later explain that the six-day miniseries ended on October 28, 1989, just a few days before Halloween. Davis, for reasons untold, wanted to do something legitimately scary as opposed to Halloween scary, per Boing Boing, which I guess is like the site that originally interviewed him. Yeah. Um, as he further expanded on in Garfield's 20th anniversary collection, he asked some people what scared them, and being alone or dying alone came up near the top of most everyone's list. He never intended the segment to be canonical take on what's actually happening in Garfield's world, considered a dream sequence, if you will, and it most definitely did not mean for it to be funny, which is good because it plainly isn't. Okay. I mean, like, it's... So, yeah, if you want to know more about... It's Google Starving Garfield. Okay, Google Starving Garfield. Google uh, Lasagna Cat. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Lasagna Cat's pretty good. Uh, uh, Garfield without Garfield is also Garfield great. without Garfield is the oh, best. Check yeah. that shit out. Uh, we we got on a Garfield thing. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to the Garfield cast. <laughs> but um, but who's you know, the so- better Garfield? Was it Chester uh, or was it a- <laughs> was it James A. Garfield or was it Garfield the cat? Um, who do you think ate more lasagna? Probably the cat. <laughs> <laughs> do you think James A. Garfield ever ate lasagna? Had lasagna been invented? <laughs> no, it had to have been invented. The question was whether or not it was like part of American, like like mainstream American culture. At that I point wouldn't in time. think so. I, I would think that I don't know. I feel like I'm just gonna have nightmares, so maybe we should just wrap this up. <laughs> All right. Because I'm still reeling from this shit. Anyway. Anyway, well, you guys went on to talk about the finer points of lasagna. Me, call me, call, call me Charles Gateau. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to us ramble on about uh, Garfield. About Garfield. Uh, you can check us out on uh, – well, you're probably checking us out on SoundCloud, but check us out on Twitter. Check us out on Facebook. Uh, email us at some nerds have a Gmail at uh, – some nerds have an email at gmail.com. Yes. 
And uh, some nerds have an email at gmail.com. Yeah. So I'm Alex. I'm Nick. And I'm Elise. And thank you for listening, everybody.